What are the surest signs of holiness? What, in other words, are the most reliable indicators that you are in the presence of a truly saintly person? That's a very important question. In fact, it's one that every Catholic should know the answer to, since Jesus explicitly tells us in the Gospels to be holy. But if we are going to be holy, we have to know what holiness is. That is to say, we need to know how to recognize genuine holiness when we see it, so we can follow the example in our own lives. Let me share with you now Matthew Kelly's insight on the matter, which can be found on page 66 of his book, Rediscovering Catholicism. Now, for those of you who might not recognize the name, Matthew Kelly is a young and very popular Catholic writer. His books appeal to people of all ages, including teenagers. In fact, I used a story from this book a few weeks ago in our youth group, and the teenagers loved it. Right, guys, up in the choir? It's good, yeah, right. Some of them were there that night. And they're a tough audience to please, believe me. First, ask yourself how you would respond to that question. Think about it. How would you answer the question, what are the surest signs of holiness? Here's how Matthew Kelly would answer it. The surest signs of holiness are not how often a person goes to church or how many hours a person spends in prayer or what good spiritual books a person has read or even the number of good works a person performs. The surest signs of holiness are an insatiable desire to improve oneself and an unquenchable concern for unholy people. Which pretty much explains why the Pharisee that we heard about in today's Gospel story was not holy. Oh sure, he went to church faithfully, which for the Jews of his day meant the synagogue or the temple. He prayed. That's very clear from the story, from the parable itself. He prays in the story. He fasted. He performed acts of charity, at least to the extent of donating one-tenth of his income to worthy causes. That's what tithing means. That, that's what tithing is all about. He did all, or at least he did many, of the things that people normally associate with holiness. But he lacked the two most important qualities of all, according to Matthew Kelly. I incidentally agree with Mr. Kelly. In fact, I think his insight here is brilliant. And it is also brilliantly stated. Notice the adjectives he uses here. They are very well chosen. The first sign of holiness, he says, is an insatiable desire to improve oneself. Insatiable means, literally, incapable of being satisfied. Holy people, truly saintly people, are never completely satisfied with their lives, either spiritually or morally. In spite of the fact that they're really good, 
in spite of the fact that they are Christ-like, they are still very conscious of their sins, their little nagging imperfections. So they are never morally complacent. They never make the mistake of thinking that they've arrived spiritually. They are always striving to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Now this really shouldn't surprise us, because if you want to excel at anything in this life, you need to maintain an insatiable desire to improve. Now, I am not a New England Patriots fan. Most of you know that. I am a Green Bay Packer fan. But you've got to give credit where credit is due. The celebrant of this Mass is a big Patriot fan, so he'll be happy to hear this. The Patriots have been, without question, the most successful team in the NFL in the new millennium. No doubt about it. What is he doing back there? I don't trust that man. <laughs> but you see, there is a reason for that. It's because they have consistently maintained over these years an insatiable desire to improve as a football team. And it all starts with their head coach, Bill Belichick. Can you imagine Belichick calling a news conference tonight and saying to the fans and to the members of the media, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we've won three Super Bowls since the start of the new millennium, since the year 2000. And you know what? We're satisfied with that. We're happy. We're grateful. So from now on, we're going to do things a lot differently around here. We're only going to practice one day a week. Why practice any more than that? We're only going to play Tom Brady and the starters for one quarter per game, you know, like they do in preseason. And we won't put any restrictions on our players from now on. They will no longer be accountable for their actions. They can come and go as they please. Now, if Bill Belichick ever said that publicly and actually meant it, he'd be out of a job the next day. We know that. The owner, the fans like Father Mike back there, and the members of the media wouldn't stand for it. Nor should they stand for it. They know that if they're, if they're going to get another Super Bowl trophy here in New England, the team and the coaching staff, they both need to maintain an insatiable desire to get better, to be the best they can be. Can you imagine a student saying to his parents at the end of the third quarter of the school year, Mom and Dad, I've received all A's now for three straight quarters in school. So I'm sure you won't mind if I stop studying for the fourth quarter. I've accomplished so much so far, more than most students accomplish in a whole high school career. I've been the perfect student. So quite frankly, I think I deserve a break. In fact, I would say that I deserve to sleep in every morning and only go to school if and when I feel like it. We may have a few straight-A students here in the congregation. Those of you who are straight-A students, try that line on your parents when the fourth quarter begins this year. See how well it flies. I guarantee you one thing, you won't be flying anywhere for a long time. If they think you mean what you're saying, you'll be grounded for a good long time. And yet, let's be honest about it, my brothers and sisters. 
When it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our moral lives, we can very easily become complacent in this way and lose the desire to get better. Like the Pharisee in this parable, notice that he didn't just lack an insatiable desire to improve himself, he had no desire at all to improve himself. Because he didn't think there was anything left to improve. You know what his big mistake was? He compared himself to another person. Instead of comparing himself to Almighty God, he had the wrong standard. You know, when we compare ourselves with others, morally and spiritually, we can easily convince ourselves that we're doing really well, that we're doing a lot better than we are. But when we compare ourselves with God, the all-perfect, the all-loving, the all-holy Lord of the whole universe, well, then we see ourselves a little differently. Which brings us to the second sure sign of holiness according to Matthew Kelly, an unquenchable concern for unholy people. Notice again the two adjectives there unquenchable and unholy. Both are extremely important. Unquenchable is very similar to insatiable in its meaning. And notice what the object of our unquenchable concern is supposed to be. It's supposed to be other people, but not just any old other people, specifically other people who are not holy. It's easy to be concerned about holy people, is it not? It's easy to be concerned about the people we like, about the people who are good to us. About It's easy to be concerned about the people who treat us fairly, the people who treat us with respect. Even unholy people do that. Even unholy people have a genuine concern for the nice people in their lives. But truly holy men and women go beyond that. And they actually manifest a deep concern for the salvation and the well-being of those who hate them and hurt them and treat them unfairly and disrespectfully. Were you listening, were you listening attentively to today's second reading, what Paul said there? He talks in that text about being deserted by people who were close to him, friends of his, fellow Christians. And what does he say about them to God? Smite them. Fry them, Lord. No. He says, may it not be held against them. That's holiness. And that's a tough thing to do when you've been betrayed and hurt as Paul was betrayed and hurt. Do you think the Pharisee in this parable had any concern whatsoever in his heart for that tax collector? Well, if he did, he certainly did a great job of hiding that concern when he prayed. From all external indications, at least to him, the tax collector was simply an object of ridicule and contempt. Thank you, God, that I'm so great. And thank you, Lord, that I am not like that despicable tax collector, because you know God and I know what they're like. They're liars, cheats, thieves. Thank God I'm so much better. 
The surest signs of holiness are an insatiable desire to improve oneself and an unquenchable concern for unholy people. Dear Lord, please help us by the power of your grace which we receive at this Mass, and especially in and through the Holy Eucharist. Help us all to manifest these two essential qualities in our own lives more completely so that we will truly be holy as you call us to be holy. Amen.